0: Hello and welcome to uh, a very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter.
1: And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on Twitter.
0: And we're joined today by a very special guest, uh, one of our colleagues over at uh, over here at IndieWire, uh, Ann Thompson. Say hi. Hi, Anne. guys. <laughs> How's it going? All good All yes. good. You're joining us via Skype and you're joining us for the very special purpose of talking about a very special uh, TV show that made the transition to film. Then you want to say what it is?
1: Oh we're talking about entourage, of course, the the much heralded HBO series of Yesteryear that is now a feature film. So we've brought on the feature film expert Ann Thompson and uh, hopefully, well, we know she's going to have some very valuable thoughts, but I can't wait to hear them.
0: Yes. I mean, Anne, first off, tell us, from as, as, as the Hollywood expert, I mean, this movie nails exactly what Hollywood is exactly right, right, like, right?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, and I always enjoyed the show, actually. I watched the whole thing, all six seasons of it, and, you know, just sort of reveled in its it's uh hideousness (laughs) but you know it it was fun the show was fun and and uh and so i was i was not necessarily expecting a great deal from the movie but i was certainly hoping it wouldn't be painful
0: (laughs) i mean going in with those kind of lowered expectations uh were they met or were they were or or was it in fact a painful experience
2: well, you know, it's sort of a fascinating thing because obviously, if you if you like a show like Entourage, you're you you know the characters very well, and and so the movie absolutely continues where where they left off, and they're the same characters, they're they haven't changed an iota. But what's fascinating about it is how you make that transition to the big screen. Do they? Does Doug Allen understand what kind of plotting, what kind of writing, what kind of scale, what kind of uh, visual? Uh, sophistic- might be required <laughs> and the answer is he does not
0: <laughs> he
2: has taken exactly what he did and he's, it's like he strung three half-hour shows that used to be on hbo put them on the big screen and there's some kind of also i mean you guys weigh in i want to know what you think there's also a strange rec- a lack of recognition of where we are in the culture in 2015 you know four years later after the show ended in 2011. Where where are we now? He doesn't seem to recognize what might be palatable on the big screen.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, this was my biggest complaint with the film was I wasn't expecting anything great either and I haven't seen a lot of the TV show. I've only seen maybe five or six episodes over the years just at random. But it just felt like such a story trapped in this time capsule from something that we've moved on from. As exactly. And that just really rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I didn't...
2: Especially the sexism. I mean, that's yeah. everybody talks about the bros and the bros and the bros. I watched the show with a great deal of pleasure. It was understood that these guys were interested in pussy 100% of the time. That That's fine. But, but this was egregiously, the way the, the women are treated was so egregiously offensive to me. I don't know about you guys.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on your team again, Anne. I, I just, the whole thing to me, I kept expecting them to start winking at us and say, hey, we know these guys are kind of douchebags. We know this is wrong. We know this is horrible, but there's going to be a moral lesson taken away from it. And it was so perfectly exemplified that they didn't know any of that when e finally found out that he he wasn't he didn't yeah. have like one girl pregnant and he didn't have an std from another one they were pranking him in this really horrible way where he That was
0: the low the point. Ball.
1: Yeah, that was just terrible. So what, I, what's
0: what's amazing about that scene is the fact that it it really it is so it is so blatantly haha we've technically winked at our own fallacies except the only lesson that the movie expects us to derive from it is Man, bitches will just trick you at any moment.
2: You can't trust those women; they're just going to catch you. Absolutely correct. And the way that Piven's wife is treated is pretty pathetic, also. Which I, I, and it's weird because it's not like she's the same she's always been. And so it may, it leads me to sort of recognize that there is some difference between what you get away with on you know R-rated HBO, haha, and what you get away with in a big movie theater and with a great group of people watching it with you and it's just not the same
1: yeah i was i was able to give her character more of a pass because i was kind of hoping maybe she had more of an identity from the series and i just didn't see it but i mean
2: no she's playing the same thing it's the same you know routine
0: she doesn't have a name until the season, like until like like midway through season eight. They're like, "Oh, I guess she has a character name. Her name is Melissa." But the fact that you refer to like she, I
2: couldn't tell you that. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: I've done some, I've done some, I've done some deep diving into Entourage in the last couple of days. It's not been pretty. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, the fact that her, I mean the thing that's interesting is that there are there are female characters who are not just whatever derogatory term you want to use for women.
2: But they don't like, get yeah. much time. I mean the production executive is venal too. I mean she turns on on the Piven character. He's playing a, a studio executive. He used to be an agent along the lines of, as we all know, uh, Ari Emanuel, Ari Gold. But um, you know, so he's trying his hand at, at being a studio executive and, and the, the whole thing about the studio financing, you know, using this Texas mogul played by Billy Bob Thornton and and, and everything, and Haley Joel Osment is playing his venal child. None of that rings true. None. I mean, none of that r- plays the way it would play in real life, you know, at all. Um, and and it's it's just Piven comes off the best, though. I mean, of everybody, he, he manages to sort of carry his his character into the into the movies.
0: I mean, he's he's always so watchable as that character. It's really it's it's, it's a really striking thing, just how. No matter what happens with him you just want to keep watching.
1: And I think that's the best defense you can have for the movie and I'm not going to be the one to really push it that hard but I mean the whole thing is just very easily watchable. The show was a show where there wasn't a lot of consequence. The movie is a movie where there's not a lot of consequence for anyone going into it or anyone coming out of it so it's easy to kind of just sit back and let it wash over you but again kind of like you mentioned before, Anne, it's very much just an extension of the show, they haven't done anything to elevate it to the big screen, they've just kept it going.
0: I'm trying to think if there was three-act structure to that screenplay, like, was was there a low point for our boys at any time? Like, I guess... A part- well,
2: Johnny drama is going through, you know, his his usual angst about whether he's a good actor. Oh or God! Not. <laughs> you know, and, but that's that's gross too. I mean, what he's he's caught on, you know, video jacking off. I mean, it's it's like. I don't want to see that on a big screen. Yeah, and it had no real
1: relevance to anything. That story didn't come back to make any sort of difference. He just had a realization when one of his bros had a kid that it didn't matter anymore. I don't know. It was, yeah, Uh, it didn't work.
0: Isn't it great to think about Eric Murphy, the father of a little girl? Raising, raising raising, a daughter in this world of ours
1: I'm not sure who Eric Murphy is I assume that's it's e, e. That's but e That's
0: E That's the Kevin Collins He's the character
2: that comes off the worst I would have to say And I was realizing as I was watching Because he, here he is He's got a, a wife that he's abandoned And we don't really know why And he's about to have a child And, and he's behaving in this Rutting kind of sort of Id-driven way, and 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 you know, I, I just found myself not liking his character. Where I liked the other guys a lot, I'm fond of them. Yeah. Even though it's a bad movie, the fact that I liked their characters carried me a long way.
0: No, I totally, I totally agree with that. Like it, it, the thing, the thing I think that doesn't work about Kevin Connolly's character is that he's meant to be the nice guy, like, and he's written with, like, with the expectation, oh, yeah, you know, he's the, he's the, he's the good guy, and he's, you know, he's always kind of been the one who wants to have a real relationship as opposed to just flat out whoring around. And, yeah, but, like, in his, in this movie, he is he's technically still that character, but he's behaving in the complete opposite direction.
2: It's also, frankly, pretty unbelievable that that footage that they showed us of the movie and within the movie that our boy, oh God, Vinny, has actually directed, right, Vince? Oh my God. He, he, it looked so bad, you know,
0: and it was so unbelievable that it would have been good. I mean, it, it's actually frustrating because rewatching old episodes, occasionally Entourage would show, like, clips from clips from Vince's movies and they would feel like real movies in in, in within the show's context but for some reason that this what what they showed us from Hyde the movie within a movie that makes no sense uh it yeah it looks it looks just like everything else in the movie it's the laziest possible laziest possible filming and of course, I saw, like, it, you know, and then the director, of course, is going, you know, giving interviews, saying, oh, yeah, we worked really hard to beef up the cinematic feel of that scene, and I'm like, no. No, <laughs> no you
2: it, just didn't, it just didn't play as real at all, you know, uh, none of it. I mean, I, I admit that I enjoyed the sequence where the studio boss is striding aco- across the Warner Brothers lot, you know, the real oh, yeah. Warner Brothers lot, yeah. you know, recognizably past the commissary, you know, to, to well, <laughs> Jeremy and is rushing to get back to his office and look like he's been sitting with his feet on his desk that was that kind of stuff was fun you know but there wasn't enough of it
1: yeah that scene came really close to what i feel like the movie wanted to be all the way through because they had all these little small celebrity cameos just popping in in a very real identifiable place that was you know good for shooting uh that you know screams la screams hollywood and it was very fast-paced, and Jeremy Piven was just running his mouth and trying to move, and there was tension in the background, but then there were celebrity faces, and it was funny, and they just kept going. And it didn't quite reach, like, a really strong level of, I'm going to remember that scene for a while as, like, a comedic or or tension-filled gem. But, I mean, I could see what they were going for, and I felt like they needed so much more of that for the rest of the thing. I, I Yeah, I...
0: the only time I felt like I was watching something that I wouldn't have necessarily seen on the show was when they did the Golden Globes uh, for the was the Golden Globes sequence and that That
2: was a little bit exhilarating because they actually did do it they were there and you could see that they shot that live
0: yeah and I mean I remember I remember hearing about it like on the actual day like people were like wait entourage is here wait that is actually happening they are actually making the entourage movie
1: they had to be so upset, too, that it was raining that one day. Like, for the oh. it would have looked so much better for the Hollywood image if it was all sunny and bright and crazy and there weren't, you know, covers over the red carpet and all that stuff.
0: Well, now we know for sure that Mark Wahlberg cannot control the weather. Oh,
1: man. Surprise.
0: I was.
2: And he's the one who was like saying, and they were in the ramp up to, you know, was there a movie? Was there not a movie? When were they starting? Was there a script? He's the one who said, well, it's always about the bros. It's always about the guys, you know. <laughs> and so he—he's very much, I think, the the uh, the creative. Uh, he can take responsibility for this. I'll give it to him.
1: I don't think <laughs> he's going to want to though.
2: In the meantime, ironically, Warner Brothers is announcing today, for immediate release, James Wan to direct Jason Momoa in (laughs) Warner Brothers Pictures' upcoming Aquaman feature.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I mean,
0: it will, will it live up to James Cameron's Aquaman, is really the question all of Hollywood is now asking. The
1: highest-grossing film of all time. <laughs> the
0: highest-grossing film of all time. Though I think they did say, like, it was at that point the highest-grossing film of all time. In theory, in the Entourage universe, like, other movies have happened since then.
1: Well, I don't know. See, because the movie starts immediately after the series ended, which was, what, four years ago, but somehow right. full of cultural references to the now, which is a comment that... <laughs> I read somewhere in the multitude of criticism out there online. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how they transition through time and what is the highest grossing film now, but.
0: Then you're trying to suggest that Entourage. There's a reality
2: connection. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're trying to suggest that Entourage has to obey the rules of space and time, which it clearly does not. That's why you can fly to te- Central Texas and back again in one day before it even gets dark out. In fact, you will get back early enough to complain about why it's not dark out. (laughs) This is
1: really the thing that bugged me the most about it, and again, I didn't really watch the show, so I'm not exactly the target demographic, but when you have the idea that Mark Wahlberg is making a show kind of about his own experiences and his own life and pushing that agenda into now a big movie, and then they hint at all these real world things that are happening, and they, they talk about, like, kind of the business aspect of it and present things that they argue are real things that happen in Hollywood, part of me wants to engage more in that and be like, oh, okay, so that's how that works, and that's how that happens. And, you know, an actor will decide that he's going to become a director when he's on his yacht on one end, and by the time he gets to the other, he is, you know, getting the job to direct a $100 million movie. I mean, it, it just throws me off when, it, when that kind of thing Rick. is...
0: Mel Gibson did it, so, you know, that's the
2: way. In real life, Vinny wouldn't have gotten the job. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Right, yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. Me. Yeah, I just, And if he did do it, it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so all these fantasies, you know, they wouldn't have given him $100 million. I just, I, I know. I know Hollywood is absurd and ridiculous and, and you know, it's it, often hard to conceive of how they make some of the decisions that they make. But, but the, the, in, I guess on the big screen, it became clear that the, that this movie, this world, isn't reflecting reality. I take it all back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, culturally, though, do you feel like it has it has some basis in reality? Like, you know, you know, like, if, is the life of a movie star to- tonally in line with what they present? Vinny Chase's life to be like?
2: It was. It was on the show. It was.
0: Yeah. But not necessarily in the film.
2: In the movie, there's something about the way they've uh, upped the ante in the movie. You know, Ari's the studio head. What is the financing of a big major motion picture? Uh, would they give this guy a chance to direct, and, and would it be you know fabulous? You know, what what would it would it, would have you know there's some big reveal about why the the Texas uh, moguls son is is out out after the movie, which is so tiny and so insignificant <laughs> even when you find out what. It is, you go, Wow. It's all about sex. Yeah. In I mean, the end.
1: It, it was something I expected. Like I, I thought that everyone already knew it, so when they had it as a reveal, I was like, Oh, I thought they knew that. I thought there was something bigger coming. So
2: Exactly. Yeah. No, no, a lot of the we can go back to, you know, writing, directing, you know, not understanding what a you know. To its credit I will uh, apparently they were inspired by sex in the city to want to do this in the first place they did figure it out they did make it work on the big screen and and it was delightful and it was successful
1: I loved sex in the city great film yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) not the second (laughs) you heard
0: it here (laughs) Um. Yeah, so for for you, Anne, I feel like one thing I, I, I feel like you might have a really good answer for is why did this happen? Why did this movie come to be? Is it just like, Warner Brothers like, ha- likes his intellectual property and wants to dust it off every once in a while?
2: Well, they, it, it was difficult to put together, actually. It took a, a really long time to get all the boys on board to figure out how to pay them. It's not a hugely expensive movie. It's a $30 million movie. So, even though I'm convinced it will probably lose money, um, because that's, you know, that to me is they decided there was an argument for keeping the brand going uh, based on, you know, crunching the numbers. They, they figured out that, that, that they thought there'd be an audience, but I'm not sure there is. Not right now. I don't see it.
0: I mean, it's interesting. Interesting too, because y- you don't hear about a lot of thirty million dollars studio movies anymore, especially around the heart of the summer.
2: Well, comedies are possible at that budget level, yeah. But uh, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe there's more, maybe there are more bros out there than we think. But uh, well, I, it, I, I, I see a disappointment ahead.
1: I mean, I did see it as interesting, especially with. I mean, there are what two or three Mark Wahlberg cameos, and I think the first one he walks in and they ask him what he's doing there, and he says, "Oh, I'm doing, you know, Ted uh, three. voiceover for Ted 3. Now, like, how many of those are you going to make? He's like, I'll make 20 if I can. And I was like, okay, well, that's where he's at now. Like, he's literally engaging in that world of I'm going to pump out as many of these studio blockbuster comedies, especially when they work and they sell to an audience like Ted did, and Ted too probably will. But then Entourage... Better
2: writing like, and better directing, yeah, I would yeah. suggest. It has a creative
1: force behind it. I yeah. mean, Seth MacFarlane like him or hate him. He
2: actually has a voice, yeah. Right,
1: yeah, so I think that's the difference here, plus the... You know, Mark Wahlberg's is actually in it, and Mark Wahlberg is an actual movie star, not like Adrian Grenier, who has never convinced me of such.
0: How dare you! You have to
1: do it. You have do it. You could at least got in. Well, I'm not gonna go there. He. He doesn't quite have it.
0: What I, what I love about Agent Grenier is that he takes his entourage money and then he goes and makes really interesting documentaries about about really like really fascinating subjects. I, I'm I'm quasi obsessed with his second film, uh, pa- *Teenage Paparazzo*, oh, yeah. which is it's just like, it kind of is. It's just like he takes his own celebrity or lack thereof and explodes it into this really interesting examination of our culture and you know it's then it's weird to see him you know in it's it's weird to see something like that and then see something like entourage where he just is the most vacuous of characters
2: yeah indeed
1: it
0: reminds, not me argue me,
2: me
1: there. it reminds me of Josh Radner on How I Met Your Mother, honestly, because I hated Ted on that show, and I didn't think he was a good character, and I couldn't follow him for most of the thing, but I do like what Radner's doing as a director now. Like, I liked Happy Thank You More Please and liberal arts, and I feel like he's kind of establishing some sort of voice. It's not as honorable as a documentary, but it's something where I'm like, okay, well, you might be more interesting than your character seems or the character that made you famous.
0: I'm not so sure about that.
1: I hope so, anyway. <laughs>
0: I mean, he seems like he's going down a pretty Zach Braffy
1: path. Oh, don't say that. Oh, that hurts. I hope not. Oh, that'd be bad.
0: I think he needs
2: to show me something more Well, before it, I'll go along with your argument. Aren't
0: both of his... Don't, doesn't he cast himself in both of his movies as guy who gets to sleep with much, much, very, very attractive young lady? No
2: question.
1: I don't remember who he was with in the first Elizabeth
2: one. Elizabeth Olsen is the one. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that it,
1: was liberal yeah. arts can't remember who is with him happy thank you but that was more of an ensemble piece which I liked more so anyway uh,
0: silence yeah.
1: <laughs> I brought us to a dead stop with Josh Radner big surprise
0: I mean Josh that, Josh Radner has that effect on conversations and people and lives yeah. and I like Ted yeah. uh,
2: but well, have you guys seen anything else that you're excited by on TV there's so much great
0: television right now I'm too busy rewatching Entourage oh
1: god <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been I've been digging into some more independent-minded fare, or at least artistic fare. I've watched a lot of Hannibal recently because that starts, well, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll start on last Thursday. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the reverse of Entourage. It has so much artistry and depth to it that it's almost hard to keep up with, especially after just coasting through summer movies. But um, I'm also, yeah, I, I think Hannibal is the one that people should be really paying attention to right now
0: yeah even even despite the
1: gore Um, if you can stomach it yes yes.
0: our our reviewer agrees with you he ran
2: he ran an incredible rave of it made me actually want to check it out
0: yeah it's 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 one of those it's one of those great shows where you know even even if you're not even if you don't personally enjoy it you can respect its artistry which you know which as you say like television is more and more rich with Um, I know, I mean, do we want to do we want to officially stop talking about Entourage because I kind of feel like The the more we talk about it the more more power we give it the more strength.
1: Yeah, Liz We should probably move on I know that you've become slightly addicted since the movie came out and you've gone on your binge But I I think we've got the the film pretty well covered. Yes,
0: Entourage It exists (laughs) We're not sure why. Um, So yeah, yeah, Anne, uh, you're here to join us for also our best thing, next thing, uh, which I think you also just did a nice job of trying to segue us to. Um, What was the best thing you watched last week?
2: Oh, game of Thrones you know that's me I, I love it so much and um, I'm catching up with it though so I'm, oh, okay. not a, I'm not referring to the most recent episode because oh. I was away in can for several weeks and I had to I had to do some serious catch-up I'll get there
0: yeah by this so sir you I, I'm sure you're aware that a big thing happens this season a, 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 big, a very controversial uh, ending to one episode is probably either I either in your you're looking coming up to it or you're looking back at it?
2: I believe that the one I just saw is the one that was so controversial and um it, it involved a rape. Yes. Yeah. And I read all about it on Twitter before I saw it, so I was dreading it, and I was looking forward— not looking forward to it, dreading it. And um, it's justified. It's the world they live in, you know. It's as justified as, as the you know dangers that that women are in, and all sorts of places in the world, and in, in the real world, and and in and fantasies as well. And I'm, I have no objections to it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's, it's. I mean, the discussion around it. I think what's really interesting between that and Outlander which I know you're also a fan of uh, like the fact that we're having real conversations about sexual violence on TV is
2: well I think it's true in that universe as well I mean yeah. these, these women a woman running around the hills of, of Scotland and on horseback and you know is, is, is under is a beautiful woman is definitely under threat and, and in all sorts of different ways
0: yeah, it's uh I mean but it, the, yeah, we're having interesting conversations about it now which I honestly I guess I prefer to like say 10 years ago when you just we weren't talking about you know we weren't using television as a way of discussing a lot of key issues around these around this stuff.
2: Well, also did, did, you know was the Game of Thrones episode shown in a way that was for titillating effect? I don't think so.
0: That is actually a really a really good point. I think the criticism I heard about it that Struck most true with me is that it made it, it. You know, there was a a change of focus when this in, in the scene, and some people saw that as okay. If you're going to depict the horrors of sexual violence, maybe don't make it about watching this character re making it about like the guy who has to react to the horrifying sexual violence
2: i i follow what you're saying but i believe and i'm sure this will pan out we're watching that character go through a a a change and and a and an awakening so this would be
0: part of that process oh yeah um Then, you then you looked like okay. had you had something
1: you wanted to say. Uh you guys will just have to keep me updated on what actually happens with the characters. Uh I I don't really keep up with Game of Thrones all that much. Whoa,
2: you have tuned out of Game of Thrones?
1: I can't do it, Anne. I, I'm glad other people find enjoyment there, but that world is so depressing for me, I can't keep up with it. And honestly the, the rape is a huge part of it. I just can't watch it. I can't it doesn't it's not worth it for me to keep going. The artistry and the the cinema, like the cinematography and the set design and the, all of that beautiful aspect of the show just is ruined for me by the stories and characters and horrible people. Uh, but what's interesting though, considering I just talked about Hannibal and i feeling bad I didn't read more of the article, but there was an article that just surfaced today where the Hannibal writers room said that there's been a ban on rape on their show. They're not going to include it ever. Yeah. Which is relevant given the recent findings but
0: well it's a brian fuller basically gave an interview where he or several statements where he basically was laid out like he just doesn't find it interesting like he doesn't and and it's to the point where you know they're approaching the red dragon story in season three and what he said is that there is there is a rape element to thomas harris's original work but they're not they're gonna really tone it back like you're not what is Reasoning? What have they said? Why? Uh, I think it's just like I think it's kind of like we have other stuff we want to do. Yeah, um,
1: from, from what I, I mean, from what I've watched on the show, it just doesn't seem to be in their wheelhouse. They're not trying to make any kind of bigger statements, and the people they deal with are just they're they're dealt with in a very specific way. I I, I don't know. I I would find it strange if all of a sudden that happened on the show, especially with. Their very core specific central characters. none of them seem capable or interested in in that kind of mentality. so if I,
2: that I said I have to say that, that I don't disagree with you the Game of Thrones has become very ugly and that there's a lot of unpleasantness going on there um, and the only thing I can say to you is that I keep hanging on
0: for dear life to the
2: characters that still survive who have a shot at trying to improve that world and that's basically where I am
0: yeah uh, no I'm, I'm with you on that as well. I am still watching um, I'm not the delicate flower that Ben is uh.
1: <laughs> I can handle Hannibal but for some reason not Game of Thrones you love True Detective. I do love True Detective, absolutely. Um, <laughs>
2: Have you guys seen any of the new series yet?
1: No, they haven't released any of the screeners yet. I mean, they've got the teasers out that everybody's pouring over, but uh, no no full episodes or even clips. So
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you, you'll know when it happens,
1: because you'll hear Ben squealing all, all
0: throughout Los Angeles. Uh, ben, what was the best thing you saw last week?
1: Oh, it's Hannibal. We've covered it in in very fine detail by now, but yeah, I... I, uh, I haven't quite watched the season three screeners yet, I've been building up to it, and I I don't expect anything to fall off, that Brian Fuller is just a talent, these actors are too good, the, and again, like the production and set design for this is, is, for me, much more captivating than anything else on TV, so... Very so do I
2: have to point. go back and start over with Hannibal from from the first season do I to 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 the to now
1: I think if you wanted to understand everything that was happening but if you just want to try it out you can probably watch any episode and you'll know if it's for you there's enough in there All
2: where you right. you'd be able to because I am a Mads Mikkelsen fan, obviously oh, I no. love him, but oh, so I guess I was a little squeamish about it to tell you the truth. If I, I, I guess if I can handle Game of Thrones, I can handle anything, right?
1: I mean, maybe just don't I, don't no. watch it during dinner. That's yes,
0: no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: yeah, and uh, for myself, I'm gonna say that I I'm I, I don't want to necessarily talk about the show I'm currently watching uh, for a review. And I can't say entourage because Ben will <laughs> yell at me. So uh, I'm gonna say the best thing I've seen so far this week is uh, the is the Stephen Colbert clip that we just we, we're we we're, we we're posting uh, as you uh, as we, as you listen to this, where featuring him shaving off the beard. Mm. Um, so we're we it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the beginning for uh, for the Stephen Colbert late night show. And the more I think about the clip, it's such a weird, it's like six minutes long, and it's such a weird, weird video that it makes me genuinely interested in what he's planning to do, comedy-wise, with the time slot. Because, you know, he's not going to be stuck playing this one character. He's going to be able to really do whatever the hell he wants
2: he's going to get into some of the musical elements that some of the other television shows that they had the late night hosts are doing i mean i love all the jimmy fallon stuff that he does you know that are always going viral <coughs> but i also love what james corden is doing with the stuff in the car and, I, it, and he's a very musical guy colbert
1: yeah, yeah I, I think he'd have to i think he'd, he'd have to try it at some point i, I don't know if it's going to be like a recurring thing i feel like he's going to be more of the Something a little more unpredictable than the rest of them. That might be his spin. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how he could resist. He, he just seems so drawn to it. And, he, and he's got so much time to fill. I don't know how it wouldn't pop up, but we'll see. Yeah.
0: Um, so, Anne, what's the next thing you're really looking forward to?
2: Well, um, I uh, sampled, and this is my thing, since I don't have to be a professional television critic, I can be the sampler of all time. I had a bunch of people over for dinner on Sunday night, and we were all hanging out. Sunday night is like, watch, we were behind on Game of Thrones, and they had caught up with it. And so it it was hilarious trying to go through all the different things that we were all watching at different times, because you know there's this big debate about, you know, should you, should Netflix be a binge thing, or should you parse things out by the week so that people can actually be on the same page and talk about things at the same time no we couldn't do anything (laughs) all of us were in a different place either they'd seen them all or we hadn't and or the vice versa so we finally uh picked up a netflix show called open table about these chefs these amazing chefs. And I watched the first one, which is about this Italian guy named Massimo. And it was a romance, and it was a story of a great chef, and it was just so well done. I can't wait to see the rest of the show. I think there are only four or five of them.
0: Yeah, that's a, that, that, that we, uh, uh, Emily uh, for our site uh, reviewed it. And the thing she, you know, she really, she, she really loved it. I think it's, it's by the same guy who did, it's by the same people who did Giro Dreams of Sushi. Um, right. which was another huge hit. A hook.
2: great documentary. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and it played. Re- it was huge on Netflix, and so Netflix was like, "Hey, here's some money. Go do that again a bunch of times." <laughs> Smart guys. Yeah, very. Ben, what about you? What's the next thing?
1: Uh, I think the next thing I'm looking forward to is one that I'm I'm probably not going to pronounce correctly, but it's a Sundance TV series called I think Deutsch, Deutschland '83.
0: Deutschland '83.
1: Yeah. I, oh wow. I, it's uh it's a German. It's a German-language series on Sundance TV, so I don't think anyone will ever watch it other than, you know, very specific critics. But it premiered at, I think, the Berlin International Film Festival earlier this year and just got raves. Uh, it's it's about uh, spies in Germany during the Cold War and a bunch of other things going on that I don't fully understand because I haven't watched the screener yet. But it comes out, I think, June 17th, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it. I mean, just the way that people talked about it at its debut uh, had my attention Already, so so that should be good.
0: How many episodes when 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 they premiered? it, How many episodes did they screen?
1: I think they screened three, but I'm not sure. I need to go back and check. This is February memory, I think. So, <laughs> cool. Um, what about you, Liz? What do you? What's the next thing for you after Entourage?
0: After Entourage? Well, I mean, everything is Entourage, really. When you get down to it, um, it's like it's like it's like the hero with a thousand faces. <laughs> 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 um, I. Once I am, once I am done with the show I'm currently watching that I don't feel like talking about right now just because it's still processing for me, um, I'm really looking forward to watching more episodes of Unreal, which is the the Lifetime series about, uh, about making a reality show that I am, I'm a big fan of already. I've seen the first three episodes and uh I've been real in you know I they've sent me two more and I it's like that's that's my sweet reward for when when I'm through Um, and I mean also Hannibal because like Hannibal's I I definitely need to try to carve out an hour in the next two days to watch at least the first episode of Hannibal because I'm very excited about season three and the new direction it's taking.
1: Meaning Gillian Anderson is on the show so we're all excited.
0: I I did not say that I said (laughs) I'm just glad I I predicted that they were going to do Italian dishes uh, for this next round and I was glad I'm glad I got it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a joke from Sam Adams uh, and say that uh, I I really hope that season four is like barbecue sides.
1: Ooh yeah, yeah. See a little more of the the grittier side of Hannibal.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you'd, you'd watch Mad Mitch... Uh, I can't say his last name.
1: Mads Nicholson.
0: Mads
2: Mickelson. I would watch him in anything. He has the best cheekbones known
1: to man. <laughs> him he, and Angelina. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think he might have Angelina beat.
1: I mean.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Anne. Uh, I
2: learned a lot. I've taken notes. I'm going to watch some of these shows now.
0: Awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing what you think of them. And uh, you can be, you, you're blogging over at Thompson on Hollywood. Uh, that's where you can find all the things Anne is, Anne is writing about, as well as her wonderful team of contributors. And uh, you can also go to indiewire.com to he- read all of the things that Ben and I are writing about television. Uh, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T Travers. On
1: and you can find Liz at Lizlet on Twitter with an I and an E. And
0: and uh, how do you how how do you when you tell people your Twitter handle how do you say it? A.K. Stanwick. There you go. Follow, follow Anne as well. She is awesome and awesome for joining us. And thank you for having me. Of course. And thank you, uh, thank you, everyone out there for listening. Keep watching television.